0: Here we are again, just winging it. What up? Still, wow. We're still winging it. We're
1: still winging it. And we have our first ever guest today. I'm our really first, excited. In the in the long history of this podcast that started a few weeks ago. Yeah. We have our first guest, and she's in the studio, and we're going to get to that shortly. We but are. But before we do- I'm excited.
0: How you been, man? I'm pretty good. Before we do, you have to hear us talk, unfortunately, for That's, you. True. That's
1: the worst part of this whole podcast. Yeah, it is.
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little tired, I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, I got Luke going through one of these things where he uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night for no reason. We've talked about this a lot. hmm And he'll stay up for two hours, and he's totally happy. He's just, he's, pra- he's like singing. Just uh, Henry's in the same boat. Yeah. He's still in that same sleep And it's same like, so you can't get mad at him, because he's not like upset or crying. You don't even really get frustrated, because he looks so cute. You just go in there, and he's babbling. Yeah. And also, like, saying new words, you know? So it's clear that he's practicing. Right. But does he really have to do it at 2 a.m.?
1: So I have to say, uh, I have now officially, finally met Luke, uh, and he is really he's a cute. one, cute. isn't he? He is really cute. <laughs> See,
0: I never know for real, though, when people oh, no, say that, because, like, cute. every baby's cute, right? I mean, you just can't. No, he's, he's cute. And your he's own baby kid. is always the cutest, even if it's really My not. My the cutest.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Um, I thank you for saying that though I appreciate the validation That's true idiot I'll, no. let, him, I'll let him know
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah make sure make sure he, he gets it yeah uh, so so John and I uh, our families got together with uh, our other friends Doug and Katie who have uh, also um, we've talked about them on this podcast before and all of our kids got to go to Walden Pond together It was a lot of fun yeah. which was a lot of fun and also horrifying and it was this immediately when we got there I was like, oh man of all the places to be because we like set up camp basically one foot away from the shore of the lake. Yeah, and so dead. all of our kids were constantly running into what the water we flailing. I don't know. I just I it didn't even of, it have just anything. Happened. I
0: didn't have anything. I wasn't prepared at all to go into the water. So Yeah, but there's so kids I was, and there's
1: water. I mean, Grace yeah. was like a natural. She well, was like... And,
0: and Bethany was fine. Bethany, my wife, went in with her, so that was good. And then Bethany had to feed Luke, and I was stuck in the sand with my sneakers on, pants on, not being able to go into the water. So if Grace did fall or something, she I, had drown. To, I had to make this calculation of whether she was actually in trouble and I need to, like, ruin my sneakers. Right. Or she's like, oh, I'm probably going to be able to get up and be fine. Like, maybe yeah. 50-50 she'll yeah. live.
1: I'm yeah. not going to get these shoes And wet. thankfully
0: now she's too, you know, she's old enough now where she can take care of herself.
1: Well, And, and they were really playing... I mean, and
0: Jude was there. He's like, he's almost five. He could take I care of her, He's like right? a
1: full-grown adult. He's yeah. been life
0: through life-saving, uh, life-saving training. <laughs>
1: yeah, life-saving. What <laughs> are those people he's called? A, a lifeguard, Lifeguard, they're yeah. thank you. <laughs> but they, should, training. they can
0: save lives more than they guard them, don't you think?
1: I think they're guardians of life. Honestly. Yeah, that's
0: fine. All right. Gemma, I, I, heroic, know, I know you're actually. not even on
1: mic yet, but do they call them lifeguards in England? It's the same thing. We're getting a nod, yeah. It's the do. metric system of lifeguarding yeah. right there. All right. Um, so, so I, I want to start briefly before we move on to the bulk of this episode with a quick story that I teased maybe 10 times during our previous episode on music, and I never actually got <laughs> I to I guess tell. we'll have to hear it now. Because we ran out of time, and, and I've been thinking about the story, and I think it's funny enough to sort of share to get things kicked off. So how familiar are you with turkeys, John? Oh,
0: I'm familiar, very familiar. I've been living in a house now for three years where I get them constantly all over my backyard.
1: Yeah, they're um, weird. Which they're started very... out as fun, but then, yes, they are very weird. So I'm interested in where this is going. So when I was a kid, uh, I you know, sang, and then my parents were like, well, we should also put them in piano lessons. You know, I, was, I think I was six or seven or something like that. Yeah. And um, so they signed me up for piano lessons with this woman. Was this, your instructor a turkey? <laughs> she was like, a. <laughs> I guess it was a chicken. Um, so she so my mom signed me up for these lessons with this woman Miss Landcraft, who was the uh, thank you she was the music instructor at our elementary school uh-huh and she was this wonderful woman she lived with her husband in a retirement community that was kind of close to where i grew up so it was a nice commute and you know i would go there with my dad he would come and bring me on saturday mornings and you know we'd listen to like the kung fu radio station you know we had like all of our stuff set up that's a radio station yeah, actually, you know, I'm thinking it, it wasn't actually you a Kung just made Fu. made that up. No, uh, so, all right, so hang on. This is so, at so, a so, time where right, right. we didn't even was, have, like, wait wait satellite, satellite or anything Spanish, like that. It was a Spanish radio station that I used to listen to on the way to Kung Fu lessons. Oh. So in my head, I'm thinking it was Kung Fu radio. They didn't even talk about Kung Fu. To be fair, I wasn't fluent in Spanish as, as a child. So, yeah.
0: Wow, so your memory is a bit defective there. It was. But I, it makes what... me wonder how many of these other stories you've been telling are <laughs> total BS. But anyway, go
1: on. You never know. Yeah. So, anyway, so so my dad would would drive me would be listening to Spanish radio, having a great time time, and, uh, and he would drop me off. And it was going really well for a few months. You know, I was, uh, I was a pretty good student. Wasn't the most attentive student, but I was very enthusiastic. I made up for it, you know, with my uh, alacrity. Charisma. And my, my charisma. <laughs> <laughs> and the weather started getting a little bit colder outside, and we started getting turkeys. And so the turkey infestation was a very gradual issue Mm. like i noticed and again i'm a child during this i started to notice that there were turkeys watching the piano lesson through the window in this retirement community and i was kind of like oh like that's funny miss Linecraft, like those birds are really big, and she'd be like, "Oh, they're they're turkeys. It's okay. Concentrate on your music, you stupid child." You know, and I'd be like, "Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> um, and then eventually, like the turkeys started kind of pawing at the window. Not pawing; they were kind of like with their noses, kind of like touching the windows. Oh my god! And there this were more and more of already. them coming. And she was like, "I think we should call your dad." <laughs> you get picked up because the turkeys were bad last year, and I can see it starting again. And I was like, "Oh, that's crazy! They're this birds." So wait a minute! In the middle of a what are you class, she about? just stops and says, "I think we need to call your dad. You need to go." Yeah, on. it might have been the end of a lesson. It was. It was somewhere How in the many context. Turkeys of at that point, there were probably three turkeys, three, three. full grown. So we're not talking dozens. Maybe, maybe a couple cubs. Okay. I don't know what you call a young cub. Definitely cu- not cubs. Cu- cutlet. There <laughs> were a couple <of> cutlets. <laughs> cutlets. <laughs> so, anyway, so, so my, dad, my dad picks me up and, uh, and Mrs. Landcraft is like, just so you know, the turkeys are going to be getting worse. So um, you know, you might not want to come back. Want to walk in with Patrick when you drop him off because you know things can get a little bit out of hand. So gradually over the next few weeks, the turkeys became more and more of an issue to the point where there were so many turkeys <laughs> that when we pulled the car up, like we would have to like move them aside to open the doors to get out of the car, and they would be like. Bah, bah! Oh, like, my know, like God. Climbing on the yeah, fucking I like a safari. It. I believe it. Um, and, then, and then my dad would hold me. He would clutch me in his arms, and he would put his head down like a fucking quarter, like a cornerback or something, and he would be running through a field of turkeys to no. get me to the piano. Yes! Seriously? Give me a piano lesson. Yeah, doing ask, ask Fu, my dad. right? Yeah, he He's was drinking and speaking yeah. Spanish fluently. <laughs> and I would get into the lesson, and we'd slam the door, and there'd just be dof, 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 of these wild turkeys. all over. And, and eventually, I had to stop going to piano lessons because the turkeys became so bad. Oh my! God. Also, because I was a bad piano. Student. If I
0: didn't know turkeys, I'd call BS on this story. But so I moved into this house three years ago, and we had turkeys, which was like fun to watch. You know, we to have turkey a bunch Town. of windows, yeah. And so one, there was one morning. I remember it. I went out. I was with my coffee, and there was some turkeys around my basement window, and they were like <laughs> looking at their reflection. They're very observant and yeah. pecking at their reflection. I'm like, oh, well, maybe you idiot. that's what they were doing. Yeah, stupid turkey was pecking at its own reflection, right? Yeah. And so I'm there. I use my my camera. I'm recording it. And just like laughing, you know these stupid turkeys. And uh, I look at my window after they walk away, and they had successfully pecked a hole into the basement window. No, through the glass. No. Oh yeah,
1: they caused property damage. So
0: unfortunately, it was. A, it's a double pane window, and they only went through one pane. So I just was oh, able to like kind of heal it up, you know, glue it or whatever. But I couldn't believe it. Those so, that little beak. I mean, it looked kind of soft, you know. Uh, the oh, turkey certainly looked soft. <laughs> well they're so they're so fluffy. Yeah. And then my yeah, neighbor they're fucking sure dinosaurs. Enough, oh yeah, my neighbor, he he told me the story about how <laughs> how he was over at a friend's house or something and <laughs> I can't even believe this is true. And they were in the living room and a, and a turkey flew through the window. <laughs> 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 they I can't turkey. even fly. There's no way. Said. He was this that's how it came uh, can up cuz he told me how they can, can turkeys fly, fly Gemma?
1: I don't no, they I, you, weigh like a hundred pounds. Well here's the
0: thing. You they go in trees, have you seen them? They, cl- they, they go sleep way sleep in the up trees. In tree- so and how you, and do you know the noise they make? So how do you think they get there?
1: <laughs> they climb? I don't
0: know. No, a turkey climbing a tree. Can you imagine? <laughs> they levitate. I don't know, John. But can you imagine a normal day, you know, oh Saturday morning you're watching cartoons and a goddamn turkey flies through your living room window. <laughs> <room laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that'd be horrible.
0: I can't even think of a scarier thing.
1: And neither can I. There's another turkey story that I'm going to hold off on. Oh, but again, I will man. tease we're because come back on to another episode, Yeah, we're just getting started on Welcome to Turkey Trot, the turkey podcast. Yeah, exactly. Podcast. Anyway, the bulk of today's episode is on books, which yeah. is something that you and I have discussed in our private non-podcast lives quite a bit. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the books that we've um, come across for kids that we've really enjoyed, some of the ones that have certain thematic things that mm. we really relate to, yeah. um, some of the ones that are not <laughs> quite as good as others. But before we do, uh, our friend and colleague, Gemma Stringer, is here all the way from England. Just uh, for this recording. Just came, for this. Yeah. We flew her we in. We don't have much just... of a
0: budget, but we felt like this could be a thing to really focus in on. It was, <laughs> it's worth it. It's all about the people you bring in.
1: We spent every penny we own on yeah. uh on this on this guest. So, star, I hope it goes star. well. But Gemma uh came uh last week into the office and she gave me a bag with a character from a children's book on it and she told me a story about this character and what it represents that I thought was really fascinating. So, without further ado, I want to go ahead and move my microphone and introduce Gemma Stringer. Gemma, how you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah.
1: So, welcome. So, so tell us a little bit about this book and about the journey that brought you to uh getting to know this character, etc.
2: Oh, yeah. So, so basically, it's. You'd never heard of it, have you? And no. I, and I brought the bag for a few of you in, in the office, and no one in America seems to have heard of the Moomin's, which are the characters. What is it called? The Moomin's. Moomin's. Yeah, and mm. they're like little chubby. They sound like, adorable. Yeah, they are cute, aren't they? Like, they've got little Is, it, kind is of, it
1: like a species? There's like multiple Moomin's?
2: There's loads of Moomin's, yeah, it's a whole species of animal. Wow. Mystical. Oh, mystical, animal. right. Yes, to yes, be clear, I was like, real. wait, they're related okay. to turkeys. There's not
0: actually a new animal I've never heard of before called <laughs> Moomins. yeah gigantus. right. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so the Moomins is a series of books written by a woman called Tove Janssen, who's Finnish. Um, and she wrote in like the 1930s, 1940s, this series of book about these little mythical creatures called the Moomins. And she was really kind of big on women's rights. She was a lesbian uh, b- back in the day where it, often that wasn't really acceptable to be that. Mm. She wrote stories about a lot of kind of girl characters in the movements that were quite strong. Um, and she, uh, she died in 2001. So a couple of years ago, her niece, who now kind of owns the estate... Um, came to Oxfam and said look my auntie was really big on women's rights is there some collaboration we can do um, where we can raise some money for women's rights in Oxfam and so the the Um, fundraising team came to me and said what can we do with this and they gave me a few options and one of them was a book called The Invisible Child Mm. and it's a story of a little girl Moomin who was treated really badly when she was younger by a horrible woman who was meant to be looking after her and so she became invisible because she'd she'd had no love no kindness no one had listened to her so the picture is just her with a little bow on her head and a dress but you can't see any of her face or her hands or anything Um, and then she goes into the Moomin house, meets all other nice moomins who all look after her listen to her and she finds a voice and she becomes respected and then people be able to see her again and I was like that's the story wow (laughs) that's the story that we can do that's amazing because that's so true of real life and you know often women have you know been abused or have not got any confidence and have been brought up to be quiet and therefore they become invisible Mm. Um, and it's only when um yeah women are kind of given the, the space and the voice and the respect and the kindness that they can become really visible and, and powerful so it was yeah I just thought it worked really well so two years later just a short two years later <laughs> <laughs> so we um yeah the book was launched so it was a few months ago and we've already raised half a million pounds for Oxfam so it's really that's nice. amazing yeah wow a pound
1: is worth 900 US dollars actually. yeah so it's f- <laughs> and once you count for inflation there too it's, it's at a- least a, t- a trillion dollars yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: definitely Um, What I'm so struck by there, and as I've been thinking about this topic more and more, too, with with kids' literature, is how incredible it is that such uh, an important lesson can be conveyed and a deep, like... There's so much to that, uh, and the the symbolism that's there, and the, I'm doing a terrible job of articulating the point, I'm just like spitting out words here. You know, what else is new? <laughs> See, I, I need Patrick to fill in some blanks. But my yeah, point is, right. <clears throat> it's it's similar to poetry, right? Like really good poetry can pack so much meaning and emotion into just a few words, and I feel like with kids' books, um, there can be so much packed into these really, what seem like simple stories, and I think I feel like that's actually harder to do than if we were to write, you know, a five hundred page novel on that topic. Um, I mean it's just different, I guess, but uh, that's what I've been so struck by with really good kids books that they serve multiple levels. You know, like a kid can access that and at the same time a parent reads it and I'm like in tears by the end mm-hmm. of it. You know, I've had that experience with the books that I really like. Um, it's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, and I think it's like what because I'm a I'm a gender person, so I often look at these things through that kind of lens. And the fact that a short children's book can convey so much right. actually means that you're really shaping human minds. Right. <laughs> through these even the earliest books, even the books with only a few words, you really Sending a lot of messages across about what it is to be a human, what it is to be to love someone, what it is to be a girl or a boy yeah, like it's so powerful, and I think for me like um, we often don't pay attention. In there's a lot of messages coming through, and a lot of them are good. And we, me and Patrick were talking the other day about how dark some children's books are, mm. and how you don't actually realise till you're older how dark they were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like you just it was just like normal when you were a kid. So it, that's good in some respects, but when you think about the messages that were p- uh, portraying in those books, that's when sometimes you can kind of start to realise when maybe not giving the best messages out all the time. Absolutely. So. Um, Yeah, when I was a kid, my mum used to read us famous five books... Do you know the hmm. famous five? No, books? it doesn't sound familiar now. So they they sell two million copies a year. I just googled it. Still, they were written in the forties and the fifties by a woman called Enid Blyton. So she's an English author, and it's about four kids and the dog, four cousins, two girls, two boys who go off and have these amazing adventures. Mm. And like, oh, there's always some kind of smuggler. They're on the English coast. There's always a smuggler or a ghost train or
1: something <laughs> like that. It's like so good. Sounds exciting. Yeah, it's really. I, good. I want to read these. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Should read them. It sounds kind of like the Hardy Boys or like the Nancy Drew mm, stories. Exactly. Did those make their way over there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So it's kind of similar a little bit.
0: Typical American fashion. Our stuff goes out there, and we assume everybody knows about it. But when you talk about something that came from, you know, England, it's like, what? That's a thing? (laughs) There's another country? Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) And then... yeah, so the, so the really, really good books, and my mum used to read them to us in the tent when we were on holiday in the on the coast, and we could hear the foghorn mm. going, and there was, like, pirates and smugglers, and really, really good. And she would read them out loud to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 so she would read them, we'd be in our sleeping bags, and it was only years and years later that I realised that she was doing editing of the book as it went along, the books ah. are so sexist, because they were written in the 40s mm. and 50s, so, like the you know julian and dick to the two boy characters would be like what who uh, georgie and Anne? why don't you go and make the sandwiches and uh, we'll go wow. and sort out the baddies and my mum my mum would be <laughs> translating as she went being like okay julian would be like okay girls why don't we all go in the kitchen and share the unpaid care work <laughs> <laughs> and, you know you know to that effect so she edited it so i never realized until i read them myself later wow. on how much so isn't that incredible just,
1: yeah so so, but, so yeah, I should mention, so the, the, way, the way that I know Gemma is because we've worked on a number of gender projects together. She's like one of the big gender people at Oxfam, and, uh, and I, <laughs> I, I'm not, but I, I help make that, you know, artistically feasible for e-learning courses and things. Barely. But so, yeah. But barely, <laughs> yeah, at least legible. Um, and so we, we just did this gender and power course that we're really excited about. Uh, and part of that was, well, we used uh, visual storytelling for the first time. Mm. We did the story of a, of a woman named Mina and made it into sort of a graphic novelization. And uh, and it was I was struck by what an effective device storytelling is to get across con- complex concepts like power, um, like invisibility, like you're just talking about with the movements, in ways that you don't necessarily realize are being it, it, as you're watching it. You're not thinking, oh, this this that's is right. a lesson I'm learning. And I think that's right?
0: the key to it. That when we talk about raising children, we we a lot big theme that's come up in this um, show over the course of our episodes is about modeling behavior, and. There's the explicit where you're telling a kid what to do. You're saying this is how it should be, right? And that accounts for some of our learning as you know human beings at any age. And then there's the more implicit stuff that we're picking up on just because it's there. And it's not being explicitly told, right? It's like you're you're looking at how other people behave. And so in that instance of the invisible girl, there isn't necessarily – I don't know how explicitly that lesson is spelled out – That's the beauty of it, though. It doesn't have to be right. Like they're actually able to learn about love and attention and power through reading that story and understand it in ways that go way deeper than if we said, you know, hey, you should be nice to people and you know, um, look out for the people who may not be as you know talkative in school or whatever. Like there's just that's what I find so powerful about um, the good kids books, right? And it's it's a reminder to me too, like with visual storytelling, as you've just said, Patrick, that. We forget that. As adults, we often overcomplicate things, and we feel like we have to explain things to death or um, deconstruct things. Or, frankly, we just give up on trying to, you know, we we go to this place where maybe it's a cynical place where life is too complicated and mm. um, and there's too much gray, right? It's not just black and white, so it's naive to think, to simplify things. Maybe sometimes that's true, but I feel like, uh, yeah. Anyway, this conversation is a good reminder of just the beauty in those simple stories.
2: Yeah, and I think just like also reflecting on this online learning we've just done and this visual storytelling we did, for me that's the hardest. I think we're we're able to write, like you said before, we're able to write a 50-page document where we analyse every single bit and don't really come to a conclusion. When you have to condense that down into something that someone can read or or watch for five minutes, that's when you start really getting to the essence of what you're trying to say and that's why it's so powerful, I think. Mm. But it's a hard work to get there. It's hard. And as parents...
0: <clears throat> we often are in that place where we have to explain things to kids, mm-hmm. right? So so we're often having to go into that mode, too, of, like, I can't actually do this in complex ways. I have to simplify it in a way that she'll understand. And I'm, I'm certainly not always great at that. Um, but it's a challenge for us to do that. And it makes – I just have found that it gets you to reflect, just like your mother did in those instances where she edited as she was reading. You have to, like, be very conscious of those things, right, that are – uh, that you're articulating to your kids and where they're going to sort of start to see that that's a pattern. And for me, and where this plays into gender in particular, is a- as I raise my daughter, when I when I see so many stories that have, um, you know, male um, protagonists or, or, or just like the typical male in a certain figure. I'll use an example of um, Five Little Monkeys jumping on the bed, you know, that um, nursery rhyme, if, if that's what it would even be called. Uh, we have a book version of that. And as we were going through... Um, I, I always did the doctor voice in a male voice you know as opposed to the mom and that no story more monkeys. yeah yeah the yeah bread. exactly we have a lot of fun even just making up voices for the doctor every time you know um and and often Grace would be like what did he say what did she say what did she say and uh, and I think it was in a moment where Grace was like what is she saying and she pointed to the doctor and I almost stopped and was like w-, you know he said this and then I was like wait wait why is that a he? Like it, it, it's a monkey that I'm looking at. So there's no like data there that tells me, hey, that's a man or needs to be, right? But I, that'd be a weird book
1: if, if there was, yeah, this, exactly genitalia on the, on the monkeys. <laughs> oh, that is a man. Oh man,
0: um, so it just made me stop in that moment and be like, oh, she said, you know, uh, stop jumping on the bed or whatever. However it goes, I don't even remember now. <laughs>
1: But it's such a complicated story. It's hard to follow. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, And and so that editing thing that happens, I just, I think is so Mm -hmm. important. And especially I found, you know, in raising a girl and reminding myself that as a man, like, hey, don't just be a jackass and default it to a Mm -hmm. man, you know, in those positions. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and also women are already really underrepresented
0: Mm -hmm. in all of this stuff. You know,
2: the characters in books, who writes the books and films. So I I heard the other day that only... um, 23% Twenty, twenty-three percent of protagonists in films are women. Like, and only thirty-one percent of like speaking parts in films are women. Wow! So you're thinking already about Even what today. you're. Yeah, you're thinking already about what your daughter's already seen in the world. What's being reflected? She's not, ne- and, and most of the directors, producers, writers are men. Of course. So even when the women's woman's a protagonist or speaking, she's speaking through the lens of a, a, a man's, literally the lens yeah. of a man's camera through his words. And so when you get an opportunity to kind of make sure that a, there's a girl or a woman represented, like in a book, then it's good to it's good to take that opportunity because what. What what girls see as normal when they're growing up isn't a reality. Yeah, it reflects what they then believe is capable, like possible for them when they get older. Um, And yeah, so this is a bit off-piste. So I love stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. So I go to stand-up comedy all the time, and the majority of stand-up comedians are men, Um, and and the the majority of kind of the high-level, you know, the big names in the UK are men. And I remember I went to see a woman, she's called Sarah Millican, and she's one of the very few women who've made it. as like, the... I actually do know who that
1: is. Yes! Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to look her up, <laughs> yeah.
2: She's really good. She's from, from the North, like me. And um, so I went to see her, a full show, and about halfway through... I just had this massive revel- revelation. She was she was telling a story about how our know, women's handbags are just like a write-off, full of shit, yeah. <laughs> you're constantly scrub- scrubbing around. And she just said something about how she, you know, you pull an apple out and there's a sanitary towel stuck to it, and like, <laughs> and I was like crying with laughter. And then I was like, hold on a minute, all of my like, all of the comedy lens I like to think of that I'm a little bit funny all of my comedy lens about women has come through men, men talking yeah. about women like this is one of the first time when I'm hearing a really good female comedian telling my, like, things that I can associate with First hand, and I was like, oh my god, what the, you know, that's it's so powerful that I haven't, you know, you need to be able to see your life reflected in books, in films, in comedy, in music. Yeah. Music's another one. Mo, you know, Every, most love yeah. song you're listening to it from a man's perspective, and then girls translate it or oh, just make it about themselves. Oh, that's the man looking at me, wishing that he was with me. Right, you know, so you're you're totally. becoming the object of it because that's what you, anyway. No,
0: yeah. I I, can, so. I actually, it's funny you mentioned the comedian because I actually just saw, I don't know if you know Ali Wong, mm. but she's another uh, in the US. She's really taken off over the last couple of years. She had a Netflix special that really took off two years ago where she was, I believe, eight months pregnant and she did a stand-up set um, for Netflix and it is unbelievable. I mean, she's like one of the funniest people I've ever seen and I actually, she just was uh, local and I saw her In uh, in Medford, of all places. Um, The boom town of Medford. Yeah, exactly. And she did four sold out shows. She's really, you know, taken it to another level now. And she, uh, I just, I was so inspired by what she's doing Mm. for comedy right now. In that, uh, not only is she, you know, a successful female comedian, which, as you say, is right now rare, (laughs) you know, to be able to make it in that space. And I can only imagine what that must be like surrounded by the male comedians in that culture, how difficult that must be. Um, But she also, (laughs) the topics that she discusses, you know, so she's a new mom and she has two kids that are similar in age to to my two kids, so there's a lot to relate to there. And she goes full on explicitly describing, you know, birth, breastfeeding, the challenges that women encounter in the most hilarious ways, you know, and and of course the ways that we can all relate as as new parents. Um, And I just so appreciate what she's been doing to uh, really, I think, for the taboos around a lot of things that women don't talk about right now publicly, you know, or, or society doesn't at all. So for example, the actual labor and what that involves, but then also what happens right after, you know, with breastfeeding and, and how incredibly difficult that whole stage of, um, labor or, or post-pregnancy is. So anyway, I'm just, I'm feeling like we're in a time where, I mean, it's, it's amazing to stop and think how far we still have to go. The fact that there's only a few comedians we can name or, um, you know, with movies, like you say, the fact that there's still that huge gap in representation. It feels like we're on a trend towards, you know, a positive trend there. I mean, what do you think about that, though? Like, I'm curious about how... um, What I I don't want to happen is that we become complicit and assume that we're just going to continue on a positive trend Mm -hmm. here with movements like Me Too, you know, because then we do become complicit and forget that that takes work to make that kind of progress. And I'm really curious, from your perspective... Um, and as someone who's raising a girl right now, this is on my mind a lot. Yeah, What do you think? I mean, what do we need to do to keep this moving forward?
2: I think it's in the everyday, isn't it? I think we can all just do stuff every day yeah. in our lives. How? Yeah, like when you see a doctor in a book that's a monkey you say it's a woman you know that that's, that's as small as that but when you raise and I do think that you've got a huge opportunity with children to and not just with the girls with the boys as well and I think there's yeah, even more absolutely. work to be done with the boys to like really teach them you know because I think a lot has changed with with women <laughs> we've like changed our, you know what we believe we can do we've changed how we believe we can act you know, uh, there's. I always think about sex in the city, I think, was a massive, like, mm. cultural point mm-hmm. in our lives where suddenly women were allowed to talk about sex, were allowed to be promiscuous, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, But men haven't had those moments as much, I don't think. You know, it's yeah. still there's still quite a lot of boundaries on how men are allowed to behave and, you know, what the alternative is to, you know, kind of... Some uh, negative masculinities and of stuff course, like yeah, that. So, yeah. so there's a lot of work to be done with boys and girls, and you've just got huge opportunities to 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 do that and and think about different ways to do that. Um, yeah, it's huge. And I think with the bigger movements, we're in a really exciting moment. And I've never heard the word feminist knocked about so like banded about so much. And people <laughs> in in my lifetime, people love it. Um, but there will be a massive backlash because yeah. we're trying to challenge power power basically he's right, got absolutely. the power so there's going to be a there will be a backlash there is a backlash and it will you know with things like this it does kind of start to run out of steam so it's how we stay mindful and when when it's out of the media and out of you know to to really continue to support those activists and people and who are yeah around us but might, may not be visible mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. but anyway I, I think it's just day to day stuff yeah.
1: yeah and and i i've also just noticed a lot on a lot of the um Clips like, for example, on on YouTube or Facebook of female comedians, many of which are absolutely hilarious. The amount of trolling is is oh, absurd, it's insane, and so clearly sexist. And uh, and and I think a lot of people try to couch it in this sort of like this false equivalency of like, well, if this were a man, she wouldn't be getting away with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that the more we call people, and I'm saying this again, not as a gender expert, but just as somebody who's very gender aware, I think in, in life as are all of us. I think that um, calling people out on that is really important, even when they're very close family and friends, because I think we all have close family and friends who do that. And also being aware yeah. of when we might be accidentally doing something like that, you know, and trying to form false equivalencies to make ourselves feel better about things that we might have done that we're not very proud of. Absolutely. You know, or having accidentally put down somebody or having relegated them to the category being like a female comedian instead of a comedian. Because, right. you know, it's it's important to um, to try to erase the barriers that marginalized people i think one thing uh, just briefly i want to say um about stand-up comedy is uh is michelle Wolf. i think is another yeah. example of i mean she's uh, so do you know michelle wolf ah okay so she did the white house correspondence dinner which was um very controversial and very hilarious but uh, it was a big uh, one of these big moments where a lot of the sort of Menonist trolls came out um and uh <laughs> was fucking ridiculous uh, so she had this amazing bit that's gone kind of viral about birth control, which I just think is like it, uh, like a, a, a male comedian would not have come up with this. And, and that's part of what's so brilliant about Absolutely. having more diverse perspectives in comedy being elevated to the level of national discourse because you get to hear these different angles on things the whole bit is about how it could, birth control should be the easiest thing to come across because it's it should be really hard to make a person yeah. like it should be yeah. something you're really ready for and then you know when you're ready for it then you stop taking birth control but she's like you know every time you open a door the wrong way it should shoot birth control pills at you you know <laughs> and she compares it to making a croissant because like a croissant takes like seven days of planning and baking and she's like you can make a person in a minute you know in a yeah. bathroom yeah, 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 like, yeah. right and, and And it's just an amazing perspective that I I think really had to come from somebody who's had a different life experience from the typical popular male comedians out there. I'm really glad that that that's more visible, at least in my life and Mm. culture.
0: It's so exciting to see. And with books now, you know, and bringing it back to that, I mean, there too, the representation is so important and seeing more female authors of children's stories. And um, one that I actually I wanted to bring up, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of it, but it's called um, Dear Girl. Um, and it's by this author, uh, Amy... I want to get the name right. Amy Krauss Rosenthal. Have you guys heard of her? Mm-mm. So she's written a bunch of books. And it was funny. This one, actually, Dear Girl, I was at a bookstore with my daughter. And we were just looking at books. And um, I, I, she, I let her pick out a book. And she something about this one grabbed her. Um, it was, like, featured, you know, in a particular um, area of the bookstore. And it's all about... Um, it just is... It's, it, each page is Dear Girl... Um, there will be days where, you know, you'll cry. Dear Girl, there will be days, it, it goes through a series of, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's this really beautiful book that talks about what it's like to be a girl. And it's just like very much about, you know, that perspective, basically, sharing it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, another book by her is, uh, totally blanking. Oh, Little Miss Big Sis. I have to mention this one because it also was so important to us. And I think uh, there's a really interesting thing that happens with books in in terms of helping children have the vocabulary or even the concept to understand what's going on. So before, when Luke was um, not yet born and my wife was pregnant, we knew there must be good books, right, to get Grace to the idea that she's going to be a big sister. And so this is how we discovered this author. And there's this book called Little Miss Big Sis. And it just goes through um, from pregnancy to birth and, you know, growing up with a little brother, uh, what that experience would be like. And, you know, it's another really beautiful story that just goes through the different passage of time as the child grows and the relationship that the new sort of role that she would play as a sister. So by reading a story like that, she actually had a vocabulary even to understand what's going on. Um, and, and so anyway, it got me thinking more about how the the little moments where children start to bring up. I don't know if you experienced this, Patrick, where you find your kids using whole phrases from books to, to describe something. It's really oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, the other thing I wanted to say about this author that I found uh, that led me down a whole path of uh, that ended with many tears last night is that she just a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, died of cancer. And just a couple of weeks before she did that. She wrote this column in the New York Times that I highly recommend you read. It actually has been also uh, adapted for a podcast called Modern Love. It, it, so the whole column is read so you can actually it's listen Dan, to it. Dan
1: uh, Savage, right?
0: Um, is that by Dan Savage? Maybe. Maybe. Not. I'm not sure.
1: The Modern Love. <laughs> we'll include a link. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. We should include <laughs> sure, a link. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> but the name of the uh, the piece, let's see if I wrote it down so you can actually look it up, is... Nope. Didn't do it. <laughs> um well, it's by Amy Kroos Rosenthal and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put yeah. it in the show notes, but um it's it's a couple of weeks before she passed and she wrote it as a uh basically like a dating ad for her husband and describing oh, I did her read husband just made me and, fucking uh, lose it. yeah, something this like you
1: should so emotional Here's like
0: why that. you should take my husband or yeah. I I, I, oh, my I um, yeah, I wish I remember the name of it. And uh it's just this beautiful um it's this beautiful piece where she describes her husband and how they met and their whole experience and that, you know, she wants him to be able to start a new story with someone. And, uh well, I guess this is getting a little far off the topic, but I wanted to raise this as um – um an author that you should check out first off, <laughs> because there's a lot of re- there's a lot of stories there that I haven't read yet and I want
1: to. Well, and because somebody who would pen an article like that it, it, shortly before her death is probably a wise person to check out. Yeah, regardless. exactly. So, like, so I think it's a pretty good. Uh, you know, I think that vouches for her credibility as yeah. an author in a lot of ways. You know, exactly, exactly.
0: So anyway, I think we have a shared uh, a shared understanding of just how important books can be.
2: Well, I should I leave you both, and then uh, you can carry on.
1: We can just cry. Yeah. yeah. So the Have next a twenty minutes session. will just be a crying session. So uh, <laughs> turn it up real loud. It's going to get nice and weird. <laughs> um, no, but but I, Gemma, that was so that was so valuable. I'm so glad you could join us. That was uh, that was awesome, and and I I, I really hope to uh, get some Moomin books sold as a result of this. Yes, I can't wait to read legions it. Invisible of Child. Invisible Invis- girl. Invisible no, girl. I'm invisible child. Yes, I, I was correct anything about, anything. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop making invisible stuff up. Invisible boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much
1: for coming. Thanks, Gemma. What a great conversation. Well, we're back and uh, hot on the heels of having our first ever guest. Oh, man, I'm so glad that our first guest was a woman. I got to say that first. Yeah, me too. And, and not only a woman, but Gemma Stringer, who was a certified, awesome, badass, gender expert and... Uh, that was amazing. And a that badass really name, cool. too, you know? Gemma Stringer. And a badass accent. Yeah. Yeah. All, all around badass. She's, that's the moral of this episode, is Gemma Stringer's a badass.
0: I um, hope you enjoyed our first guest. We look forward to bringing on more people on this show, too. Yeah, they might so you don't have to, have
1: to keep hearing a couple dudes talk about everything. The names might not be quite as cool, but um, we're going to do what we can to keep that up. Yeah. Um, so we thought we we're going to close out this episode now with a little bit of uh, going back to books and not just through a gender lens, although I'm sure that'll come up, but just, you know, some books that we've read with our kids that we liked, some things that have worked about them, some things that we yeah. haven't, what some of the big hits are with, you know, uh, in, in sort of like the literary circles around children and also storytelling. I, I want to talk a little bit about storytelling with our kids and about coming up with our own stories you know oh man yeah Um, before we get into that though something that something that came up uh, in our previous part of the episode that I wanted to piggyback on but I I didn't want to nudge Gemma out of the way the microphone was that I I really turkey we're gonna go back to the turkey conversation um I feel like storytelling, like you were both saying, is a really great vessel for teaching lessons without being preachy about it. That's right, and for giving kids a way for them to under, Because if they understand something from a narrative perspective, they can usually understand it from whatever the implicit. And it moral carries perspective through
0: is. into adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- stories are how you uh, you effectively communicate. You know, as someone, I mean, I'm, I work on that. We both work within. Uh, <laughs> we both communicate as part of our job function, right? Mm-hmm. Communications are core to it. Um, I'm on the external side, you're on the internal side. And we know that the power of storytelling is how you actually can tap into people. In oh, ways yeah. That, you know, otherwise, if you just preach to them, like you said, it's not going to actually get through.
1: Exactly. Um, and I, I brought up uh, Pierre and Nicole before. They're friends of ours who are parents that are just really, I think, great at it. And, yeah. uh, and one of the first sexy lessons time that they house, told us. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The sexy part of the house. Right. Um, one of the first things that, because when, when they knew that we were having Jude, they gave us a lot of great advice and, you know, old toys and things. They're just, just great sort of mentors. They sound great. They're awesome. And, um, one of the things they told us about was one, one of the first times that their son did something that was sort of shocking without, Mm. without trying to be shocking, but was, uh, that, in the moment they so Nicole his mother yeah. um, knew she had to find a way to deal with. So mm-hmm. they had they were at the time they were living in an apartment building that had like somebody working at the reception desk downstairs who was yeah. African American. And there was one day when her son who was probably 5 or 6 at the time said a comment about how he didn't look like him. You know mm-hmm. how how he noticed that he looked different. Um and instead of saying anything about it she actually didn't even address it. In the moment she was like i think i need time to couch this in a way that's going to be more productive mm. it's, instead of just saying oh well you know we're all the same inside you know yeah, it doesn't matter because yeah, 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 the yeah. reality is is he does look different from him of course like, that's okay like we yeah. all look different that's you like know? a natural thing to pick up on right 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 and there's nothing racist about it no but, but it is something that you do want to get on top of in a productive way absolutely to, to give them a vocabulary to express it so anyway so she spent the rest of the day kind of trying to come up with like a story to tell and she told this amazing she told us this story and it was so great it was about a zebra. And she to, came up with the story. Yeah. And she thought about wow. it for the whole day. And she was like, That's I'm going to come up with like a narrative about these animals who look different, who are friends, you know, and, and about how like their different patterns come together to make this beautiful tapestry. It was like zebras and giraffes and things like that. And, I was, and it was this wonderful way of storytelling that I think was really productive for her child's sake. Yeah. And something that I try to do all the time, because a lot of the time Jude likes to be told stories in bed yeah. and my stories it's are always kind of like psychedelic pretty regular that's like, pretty common yeah right right this, <laughs> this, like, this weird
0: thing he likes to be told stories before <laughs> right. he goes to bed it's like he's crazy or yeah. some shit And so you make these stories up yeah yeah yeah, wow. yeah I'm so them. you guys any parent that does this i've heard of another parent here actually that does that too where they make up stories each night and i just i give you kudos for this because for me if i were in that situation i might have the thought that oh i could explain this better through a story and then I'd probably Amazon search like story about racism, you know, kids' story about racism. <laughs> and then I'd use that book, you know what I mean? Like we did this with like, racism. Yeah, we did this with like with germs, you know, like stories yeah. about how to get kids not to, to understand germs and why you shouldn't like, you know, yeah. touch your brother Oliver's face after you're sick or whatever. But, right. Anyway, go on with your storytelling.
1: Well, it's just, it's one of these things that at first it was really hard because I had never done that. You know, I had never just spontaneously story told before. Yeah. And then I realized that... It's like a lot of pressure. But, but what happens is is you come up with like a frame for the narrative that he'll relate to or mm-hmm. she'll relate to. You know, you come up with like... Characters that they will probably think are funny or interesting, or, yeah you know or weird, like that's why my stories are psychedelic is it's usually it starts with something like you know there was a tomato named tam tam who was flying through the park one day you know and I'll come up with this <laughs> weird image that immediately makes him have to kind of picture what that would look like you know yeah yeah, yeah and then yeah, you yeah. can kind of tell anything you want and it's funny, I always go into it thinking like I know there has to be some some kind of a point to resolution thing. or yeah it's not just this like episode in the life of a fucking flying tomato right it's not just insight into your crazy ass dad's <laughs> right, brain it's, right yeah. right because that would be bad very um, bad but it's funny that that the story, the actual point of the story, kind of emerges in the telling of it, you know, in the ways that these tomatoes interact with each other, and like, you know, one of them got squished or something, and, and before you know it, like, you end up telling a story that actually had like an ending to it, mm. and um, but you only get there through kind of trying it. So anyway, all that is to say, so that you don't know, the know where it's going, going when you fun. start doing it. No, no, <clears throat> yeah,
0: that's smart. I could I could get on board with that if if I had to like. Prepare it out beforehand. You know that's that's not going to happen.
1: Right, right, um, right. Because again, you're you're nervous about it. You know, yeah. Like one of the, one of his favorite stories that I've told actually multiple times now is about a dragon, um, named <laughs> named Dododo the dragon. Dododo. There's a lot of alliteration in these stories for some reason. Yeah, well, and he smart. he terrified this village because he would always sleep and snore so loudly that everybody would be like horrified and they would think he was like roaring at them. hmm. And a little girl one day decides she wants to go up to the mountains to meet Dododo and she realizes that he's actually this like very friendly dragon who's just very loud. And so she brings him into the village so he can meet everybody. And uh, before they know it, he's like the village mascot, you know. And it's wow. So stories like that are really fun. But anyway, you should write them out. You might have a future career there. Ah, maybe that's what. Yeah, (laughs) Dodo the dragon. More hobbies is what I. Yeah, right. Exactly. Let's do a podcast about it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so moving on to books again. Before we close this out, what are some books that you guys read to to the kids?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess you know the. thing i'm really curious about hearing from your perspective because i have i definitely have some thoughts on this um and i had them ahead of parenting about the importance of reading because mm. there's like a lot of science on this now um i think there's something around i don't know my library did this and I'm, i imagine it's based on some of the actual studies out there and probably other libraries do it too where you're supposed to read i think a thousand books by kindergarten
1: <laughs> and that's like a thing which, for real
0: yeah But but here's the thing. I mean, uh, read a thousand times, actually. So okay, I was gonna say
1: because a lot of the books that we read, we read over and over and over. Oh yeah, yeah. This isn't just like a library marketing. Yeah, it's a library
0: marketing campaign actually, where they just want you to you know get hooked on the library. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, no, but it's a thousand books, and if you think about that, by the time they're four or five, right? I mean, that that you know that if you read once a night. Um, and these that, aren't that novels, you know, these are,
1: yeah, you, you can get through a few in a exactly. Night, yeah, right
0: Exactly. So, anyway, right from the get-go, you know, we, we felt like this was a really important thing to do, to read, right? And, and also, the science behind this is showing that there isn't an age that's too young. So, like, right from the beginning with Grace and Luke, we felt like it was important to get into the habit of reading. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once we emerged from the zombie state of the first couple weeks, at least, of parenting, <laughs> right. um, we started reading at night, and... It's really I love that time each night. It's like such a special time, you know, to close out the day through that, and um, it is fun. Especially early on, you actually have a lot of power over what they want to, what you choose because they don't yet have opinions about the books, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the earliest books, and I have this great photo of me reading it to Grace when she was, you know, maybe a month old, is all the world. It's called. Um, and it's this beautiful, first of all, the illustrations are beautiful. It's by this um, illustrator, Marla Marla Frise. She did um, uh, Boss Baby. There's like a movie about it now. Um, oh, that was based on a book? Yeah, it was actually based you know, on a book. a Netflix series,
1: too, now. Oh, that's so funny. The Boss Baby Isn't is Isn't it this funny empire. how they,
0: they turn it into exactly an empire? Yeah. Um, so that's a really good one that I would recommend. And it's um, written by Liz Garten Scanlon. So it's about, basically, it gets at how we're all connected and that all, you know, all the world is basically all of us, right? So, spoiler alert <laughs> where that's going. <laughs> but it just has these beautiful um, illustrations throughout the West Coast. Uh, you know, it looks very specifically like California along the coast. And so, you obviously kids just love the visuals. But then the lesson there, I remember the first time reading it. And how, I don't know if you've had this experience where the first time you read a new book and. Um, So you don't know where it's going to go and you get to the end and you're actually like moved to tears or just. Yeah. And and those are the ones that I, I just love. You know, there's so much power there where they make sense to a kid at that level and even at different ages. You know, Grace loved it at a month old. And now she as a two and a half year old can read the same book and there's so much more meaning there and she loves it you know so yeah
1: and that to me is a really poignant thing when when it, when a child can get like good night moon is an example to yeah, me of a book yeah, like that yeah, it's totally. a book that you read to infants because it gets them to go to sleep and it's just very therapeutic <laughs> and simple right <laughs>
0: anything that gets an infant to sleep you're reading that one <laughs>
1: right good night now but then but i i get very emotional reading it for some yeah. reason even though it's not an overtly emotional book there's something so elementally peaceful about that book oh man i and totally we read agree it to the kids and i just and i go into this reverie and i'm like i mean my favorite line of that whole book is good night nobody i mm. love i love that it's there's, powerful. A, there's a good night nobody to an yep. empty chair you know yep and i'm like oh man that's like a really or it's not even an empty chair it's just to a blank page right, right and i just i just love that uh they're addressing that you know that, yeah. that like that like you can say good night to everything but don't forget also say good night to the people that aren't even there yeah you know? It's just, so it, true because because kids live in a magical world where nobody's are real, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, Goodnight Moon is a book that like you know Jude still is enraptured by even though he's almost five. You know,
0: that's a great one. The other thing I I thought up front that I would love and I do for the most part is Dr. Seuss books. <clears throat> oh yeah. I mean, there's just so oh my much God, there. I, I still love I and read there those too. For uh, so much fun of it. So I imagine, you know, as a noise machine yourself. So much fun <laughs> of it is actually just the noises, the right? Voices, I know. Um, and trying to read some of them, like Fox and Socks, is one where it's actually meant to be more of a tongue twister kind of yeah. thing. So it's so much fun to read those books. Or I hop will, on pop. Yeah, hop on pop yeah. is a great one too. But I will say that um, when you're doing it. Uh, when it becomes one of those books that they want to hear over and over again, because they do write grab mm-hmm. onto certain books, um, some of them can be really goddamn long. <laughs> when you're ready for I bed, know,
1: like, like one fish, two fish, red fish, or blue fish, that Cat, takes a fucking month right? to read. Cat yeah. in the
0: Hat is really it's a, long. That's an
1: epic poem because yeah. it keeps
0: building and building and building on right. itself. Right, and until, it's great. Boom. But oh, but I'm like fantastic. it's ten
1: thirty. We need to go to bed, and I'm only halfway through. Exactly. Days. And so, then you start racing through it, and then immediately, it's funny, if you start hurrying through it, they immediately stop paying attention to it. Oh, you it's that? so true. Especially or, with Dr. Seuss, because it's so yeah. musical, the way it's yes. written. It's so, the, they know the when it's you written, skip over sections. They know when you skip over I used over to be it. able
0: to do that, by the way. I used to just like skip whole pages, or or just not even read parts of it, because <laughs> right. she doesn't know. Right. Um, but now it's so much harder to do that. She's the like, one Dad, that Grace wants to hear every night now, every single night, is The Ladybug Girl and the Big Snow. It's mm. part of a series around The Ladybug Girl, so it's a female, you know, protagonist uh and and this particular one is about sort of looking on the bright side of life, you know, she goes out to play in the snow and it ends up being kind of a bad experience at first and then, you know, which we all have, right? I mean, you go into the snow and you think it's going to be this magical thing and it's like you can't actually make a snowball because it's not the right kind of snow Right? right, right. you know, you're all wet and you fall in and, anyway, it's a really good one and it was great the first, like, dozen times, but now I've legit probably, i probably read just that book a thousand times by kindergarten, um, so I'm getting a little tired of it, but she (laughs) she loves it, so it's like, what do you do?
1: Right, and and it's funny, the, the simple act of reading repetitively simple stuff can really uh bring out like the narrator in us all like i, I yeah, feel like i it's true initially like i remember when jude was first born and we were reading a lot i would notice that i was getting like hoarse, and i'm like i'm literally a professional singer like yeah. i should not be getting hoarse reading kids books but i was because i wasn't so like true. breathing properly yeah or because i was like trying to like rush through certain things that i thought would bore him and then i realized like if you just take your time with it and you let the material speak for itself and you slow down mm-hmm and you take the effort to de- take deep breaths and to really move your mouth and to get the words out. Before you know it, like, it's really fun to read. It's so it's true. It's so fun to read. And Micah and I actually read to each other now at night. Really? Which has been so- oh, my God. So, I, so we got this idea from an, uh, an autobi- from a biography, rather, of David Foster Wallace, who's my favorite author. Yeah. And he said that um, as a child, he has a lot of memories of hearing his parents reading to each other mm-hmm, at night. Mm-hmm. And how that, like, really impressed upon him the importance of storytelling as a, as a kid. And I, and I really love the idea, although, of course, we do it after the kids go to bed, but I love the idea that, like, instead of watching TV, instead of, you know, just, like, dozing off or playing video games, like, that sometimes we take the time to, like, sit together on the couch wow. and read and alternate, you know? I love that. What do you read to each other? <laughs> well, the last thing we were reading was Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation, which is a... Science fiction, horror <laughs> novel. Um, but you
0: read, yeah, that's like heady novel stuff, and you're actually reading whole novels to each other. Yeah, because when, when you're,
1: you know, when you're an adult, you get the opportunity to, to do that, and to do the voices and things like yeah. that, too. And it's funny, because you, you get that. really, like, when you when you listen to audiobooks, for example, you get a feel for, like, when people are really good at it, what mm-hmm. kind of things they do. And it's fun to, like, to try to do that for somebody else, and to give them the experience of, you know, getting an audiobook. and. Something just I'm way about- too
0: selfish about my reading. I'd I'd wanna first of all, I actually I I um I much prefer reading something over listening to it. Mm. So there's that part of it. But then also, you know, the idea of reading it to Be- to Bethany for her satisfaction, I uh, <laughs> gives she me can't, no she can't take that. Yeah, no. It's
1: <laughs> I don't think she. I don't
0: think she'd love it either, you know. And she certainly wouldn't want to read to me. But anyway, right?
1: <laughs> no, try, try. I think you. You might be yeah. pleasantly surprised. No, we won't do that, that. But thank All you. Right. But thanks for the idea. Well, other books. I gotta say, I'll try it. I'll the... try it a little bit. Yeah, and try, another try thing I wanted bit. to say about that yeah, yeah. though.
0: Because I think we're all here, where we want to read each night and do the right thing, and we get into this mode where we feel like you know our our brain does go somewhere else. This happens a lot, and mm-hmm. I always try to bring myself like back. a FOMO episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, and I so I have a new reminder for this for myself that I thought I'd share with you as well. And it is by this author, Amy Kraus Rosenthal, that I mentioned earlier, the because columnist in that column she specifically talks about how she used to think it was Plan B with the letter B. Um, meaning <laughs> her life was thrown off to a whole new trajectory once she found out she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that she found out that it's actually plan B, as in B-E, the verb. Uh, be, you know, be in the moment. Live in the moment. And, and it's a, something we've talked about a lot. Um, and I thought, you know, in the context of reading, especially, I find myself, like, you can sort of half-read and half-be there. And I think we're going to regret that. You know, I think, there yeah. are, I think this is a moment where being present with our kids through these stories you know it's like it's just something really beautiful that we have right now and anyway it's mostly i'm saying this as a reminder for me so you can kind of call me out in the moments where uh well you'll never know that i did it but (laughs) (laughs) i'll I'll imagine a little
1: patrick
0: Patrick on my shoulders slap me in the face thankfully grace usually slaps me in the face to remind me to be in the moment we all slap each other that works well
1: no, I, I, you're totally right. And, and I have caught myself many times doing that because w- w- you can kind of go on autopilot. You yeah, know? like you've read we, it a we million all know times. what it's like to read something and to have it basically memorized and to not even be thinking. But like to pull yourself back into the moment of reading and the experience of it with a kid and then to be able to, like, go back and talk about it with them afterwards is so enjoyable yeah. that I feel like it's a good reminder. And that's for their experience, right? I oh, have yeah.
0: to believe that even the book that they're hearing every single night, it's as if they're reading it for the first time again, yeah. in a sense. Like, they know where it's going, but they're in the moment always. Yeah, and there's a
1: reason they want to hear the rest of it, you exactly, know? Even though they do know where it's going, it doesn't diminish the journey. And that's right. something beautiful about childhood, of course, is that, like, they're so... They're so present and they're so in the moment and they're so in the journey that the destination isn't even something that they're really thinking about absolutely because the day is goes on forever you know like we've all been there as kids where it's like time kind of evaporates and you're just lost in an activity and you don't even know you know I mean many, many of us try to reclaim that as adults you know like like when I'm working on music and I'm really into it I have no idea if it's day or night or yeah. if i am eaten or anything and I love that sense but it's hard to get as an adult because we're so cluttered with things all the time it's so true but kids like sort of default to that a lot and so I think something else that I would say is that I've I've noticed having read more as an as a as a grown up to kids that th- times when I feel like it's getting boring for them it's not boring for them that's right and and you have to really remember that so like another example of a book that I think is is great to read with kids over and over again is mm-hmm. the book with no pictures by B J Novak oh I've heard of this but I've never oh, read you've it. you got to pick yeah. it up it's just so fun and it's all about the the actual sensation of speech and reading mm. and it, it's a book that there obviously has no pictures in it right. But it has crazy typography and these just crazy sounds that you have to make as you're reading it. That's great. And so it challenges you to, to invent ways to get across, you know, like a Z with a three after it and nine exclamation yeah. points, you know? And before you know it, then then the kids are doing it too. And then they, they know like, all oh, awesome. this is the page with all the yellow letters. So we're all going to go, you know, <laughs> and it becomes this like communal storytelling experience because when, like we were talking about in the music episode, society like, you know, was once like our, our only form of art was standing around a fire and telling each other things, you know? Yeah. And it's like you get to experience a little bit of that kind of primordial thing again when you read aloud with children. Absolutely. I um, another one I want to bring up briefly is Fortunately the Milk. Hmm, by Neil, I've not heard of that it's one It's by Neil Gaiman. Um, and he had a co author on that. I'm not sure who it was. but um, Glad they can get credit for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll say it was Stephen King. Who you knows? Sure, yeah. But Neil Gaiman has written actually, for somebody who is so. You know Neil Gaiman, right? No. Oh! Oh! Wow! Okay. Well, he he did the Sandman. He did American Gods. Okay. He's uh, one of the preeminent. He kind of he kind of elevated the art of comic book writing a lot in Uh. the early nineties, and then went on to become a very successful novelist and playwright and filmmaker. He's done a a million things. Yeah. Mirror Mask. Yeah. He's done tons tons Uh of great stuff. But uh, he's been writing a lot of children's literature lately, and and the kids like love those. Fortunately, the milk is like a kind of a longer form thing that we read like with Jude. Yeah. But also, there's this amazing book that he wrote with um, an artist. Of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm not remembering any of his collaborators' <laughs> names. But it's about a sneezing panda, and it's a book that's like eight pages long. Panda. Yeah, and and it's it's called Chew's Day. Uh-huh. His name is Chew. This panda. Yeah, and he has this catastrophic sneeze that like he's he's always afraid he's going to get let out, and so like his whole day, like something's about to set him off, and he goes ah, oh, oh, oh. and then he goes so like, cute. You know, it's okay. And then, of course, finally, at the end of the book. At the circus, there's dust in the air and he finally sneezes and like the circus explodes and trains get derailed <laughs> and it goes crazy. And he's and he's like, and, and then he's like, ah, like I got my sneeze out, basically. And he goes to bed. And it's funny because it's that like sounds this awesome wonderful metaphor for like, you know, the power that we all have inside of us without even you know realizing it and not being afraid of it. You know, and it's mm. just a great book. Um, but I recommend you check that out. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Choose a day.
0: That's good. I'm surprised we don't have any overlapping uh, books. I know. But what
1: about when do what about Dragons Love Tacos? No. Wow. Another one. (laughs) So Dragons Love Tacos is by Adam Rubin and uh, Daniel Salmieri. And that's a really funny, imaginative book. That's just about all the different types of dragons and all the different types of tacos that they like. And how like the 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 tragedy, though, is that they can't have spicy tacos like if Mm. there's too much chili powder in it. Then, like they fire breathe, and it becomes this like really horrible thing so <laughs> they it's accidentally like... wipe out villages, <laughs> yeah, yeah right exactly, so like the whole story is about these dragons who like love tacos and they throw these parties, but like they're always like afraid that it's going to be too spicy, and they're going to yeah. be cataclysmic, you know that's awesome that's a great book too and there's a sequel that just came out
0: ah oh, sequel mm-hmm. that's good, I hope it's as good as the first. Um, um, another one I wanted to mention, I'm sure this this one we should at least share, because everybody does, is The Giving Tree.
1: Oh, God. Oh right? God. Talk about these books. They just uh, kill you.
0: Right they really do. And that's the thing. It's like, Grace loves it, and I don't think she knows why. Mm. <laughs> you know? Because, like, I don't know. It, there's, it's so, um, it feels much older, much
1: more mature. Doesn't it? Well, because it, 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 I mean, it I is. I mean, obviously, right? it is. Right. But, but it's also like. Scho- it still Scho- makes sense. I feel like something that's great about Silverstein's work, um, among the many reasons why it's great, is that if it's something that is just as riveting to read as an adult as a child, yeah, you know, yeah. and and the the fundamental themes going on are evergreen. You oh, know? They apply to everything. Beautiful. Where the sidewalk ends, like yeah. all of his stuff is like that. And but the giving tree, the the giving, the giving tree to me, is a very mature way of dealing with something that's actually really dark because like we talk about love and we talk about giving and they're obviously great things but there's a cost to it yeah and it's okay because that's part of the beauty of it you know right you give everything you have and and when you give things away you know you also lose them right right and and that's something that I, I what I, can't I love think about of another piece of art that does that you know?
0: right well but I love about that book though is there's actually it feels to me that there are so many themes within it and you know based on where you're at in your life and just your own sort of perspective I guess you you bring out the the themes that resonate with you Um, Because I also feel like there's something really beautiful about uh, giving, on the sort of more positive side, like, you know, they end in a really happy place together, right? Oh, yeah. And also about going back to the simple things in life, right? So he wants a house, he wants... Um, a boat, you know, all this stuff that ultimately doesn't bring him as much happiness as just like being... Just sitting on the tree stump. With stone. this tree. Yeah. It's so beautiful.
1: It is so beautiful and it is it is very happy because, because it's not a bad thing to give all you have. Like, it, it's sort of the point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind, of, kind of the idea is that is that you do everything you can to, to give happiness to the people you love and that you care for. Well,
0: and you could but, argue that, yeah, that actually is the path towards me- living a meaningful and happy life. Right, right. Yeah. Like,
1: we all want to end up as the tree stump. Like, we all want to li- end up simple, <laughs> And unadorned, yeah. and honest. You know, like that's kind I don't of know. that's I'm, kind of enlightenment. I, you know? I
0: hear what you're saying; it makes a lot of sense. I don't think I want to be the tree stump, though. <laughs> you know, maybe I got to work on that. I
1: think I do. I I, th- I think that's kind of my goal. I mean, like I would love to end life um, it, as simply as as possible. You know, yeah. I feel like I want to leave this no, world with you there. like I was came into it. I, I mean, wanna... at
0: least can I be the tree with the you know leaves? I
1: mean, do no, I have to we're, be? A we're stump? gonna we're gonna cut those leaves down, John. <sighs> You're going to be ground up and made into <laughs> pencils, okay? Um, anyway, I think we got to wrap it, but uh, there's obviously a ton more to talk about. I, I just super brief shout-outs. Divya Srinivasan is another great children's mm. author. She wrote this a, sto- a series of stories called Little Owls Night. Yeah. And it is so great because it's a story about nighttime because they're nocturnal creatures. So he wakes up when the sun goes down and then he explores the forest and it's all these nocturnal animals that never get to be featured in kids' books because they're they're all asleep. (laughs) Right, right, right. You get to like spend time with the bats and with like the raccoons and things and um, you don't and then, want to spend time with raccoons but yeah that's right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe not raccoons they're, they're fucking scary talk about turkeys oh yeah um, and then when the sun comes up he goes to bed and, and it was like a good a good night and it's, and it's a nice little empathy vehicle too mm. because it's like not everybody has your that's world nice. experience you know yeah like the world's different for some people you know yeah yeah um, also, Byron Barton is another person that we, hmm. the kids have, his, his he, he was very active in like kind of the late 80s, early 90s, um, and he does these very simple geometric books about really broad subjects, like cars, trucks, trains, you Oh, know. cool, yeah. And they're very simple and very easy to read, and just very beautiful in a very simple way. But one of my favorite books by him is called, I Just Want to Be an Astronaut, and it's about, you know, living in space and all the amazing things that they get to do, but it's from the perspective of just a little girl who wants to be an astronaut. And oh, this, wow. And I just like, I just love... Because that's like all all kids can relate to that, to yeah. having these visions of these fantastical things and and being like, you know what? I'm going to get up there one day. I'm going to do that. awesome. You know? And maybe
0: they will in their lifetime. I hope so. I want to go to space would too. Would you man. support that if they wanted to go up to space? Of course I would. Are yeah. you kidding me? I think I would. I mean, but come on. I mean, it's like you might not ever see them
1: again. Yeah, but if that brings them fulfillment. I mean, yeah, I mean, God, this episode is so emotional. I, I feel mean, like, I'm just <laughs> saying. You got to think true. about that. I, I mean, know. yeah, I
0: want to support it, but if they w- were on that, like, first ship to, like, Mars, I wouldn't, I don't Yeah, think, right. You're yeah, coming if they back were doing, like,
1: interstellar travel or something like that. Yeah. Well, and actually, speaking of interstellar travel, the, we should do movies next, probably, but the film Interstellar. We're not going to do an, interstellar- an episode on Interstellar, <laughs> interstellar travel. <laughs> the, I think that the the film Interstellar is is a really great way to talk about. Parenting vis-a-vis space travel. Oh, I'll you know? have to
0: watch it. Yeah, I have never, I've never, I'm not oh, seen man, it yet. I know. Love Interstellar.
1: I know. Oh, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing. It's hard to watch, but it's an amazing movie. Yeah. And I think it deals with these themes really well. So I'll tell you what. I'll watch Boyhood. You watch Interstellar, and then we'll do a movie episode. Sound good? Uh,
0: that sounds awesome to me.
1: All right, tree stump.
0: As we close, I want to uh, give a big shout out to Sebastian. Um, He's a fan who is gearing up for a half marathon and has been putting us on his ears as he trains. By the time this episode comes out, I think maybe he'll be running it. So I feel like, you know, if he's listening right now, keep running, man. Keep that pace up. You can finish. Keep that pace up. Do it.
1: Or else. Or else. (laughs) (laughs) Or else we're going to have you on the show. How about that? Yeah, that's true all right thanks guys thanks That's for been listening and thanks for uh, interacting on facebook we're, we're gonna uh we're gonna definitely be more active i think now that we've got more material so be on the lookout for that and uh, join the conversation go read some books go read some books dudes uh, and do that bye